welcome, welcome, welcome to the Ambassadors Forum radio show here on True Talk 800 KPDQ. We at the Ambassadors Forum, who are we? We are lay people who recognize they need for apologetics thinking and apologetics training and apologetics fluency in the church. And so what we do is we teach the world about God as he is. We teach an unbelieving world, a world that challenges God as he is, to try to explain him the way he is and present him as he is and let him do the rest. Uh, you can find us at theambassadorsforum.com. Uh, we at the Ambassadors Forum, we agree with Romans 1, which says that what may be known about God is plain to them, meaning everybody, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, his divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that men are without excuse. We know that God has revealed himself, and we at the Ambassadors Forum agree with who he is, and what he has revealed about himself. Before we begin today, two events to promote. This Friday, July 16th, the Ambassadors Forum will have a speaker named Brian Overholt talking about the historical philosophical roots of modern critical social justice theory, also called intersectionality, also called critical theory. Then in August, I myself, I will be talking about the Old Testament and why God kills so many people in the Old Testament. How can a good God commit genocide? How can a good God wipe out Sodom, Gomorrah, the Amalekites, the Midianites? And how do we communicate to non-believers that God isn't just allowed to do these things? He is justified in doing these things. It's good that he does these things. Again, you can find us at theambassadorsforum.com. With the Ambassadors Forum, every year we have an annual conference. And after the annual conference, we survey all the attenders to find out what they want to hear about, what they want to talk about, to see what their needs are. The number one topic when we receive this feedback, the number one thing attenders want to hear about is how to raise kids who are believing Christians. They see a lot of things in the world, a lot of trendy worldviews that are pulling at their young kids in schools, in the culture, in the media. And so parents want to raise believing kids, not just believing kids, but discerning kids discerning kids who can analyze non-Christian worldviews, who can understand what the weaknesses of those worldviews are, and then choose to believe in God as he is, not as we or somebody else want him to be. And Christian parents very much want to raise Christian kids, and the Ambassadors Forum would love to help you do this. One of the things we do is we have our Junior Ambassador Program. Our Junior Ambassadors are younger folks, often in their early 20s or late teens. They're in work or they're in school, and they help us minister. One of those junior ambassadors, she was one of the first two ever, actually, is Hope Jackson. Hope is originally from Beaverton, Oregon, where she was born and raised. She's a rising college junior at a university in Atlanta, where she is studying molecular biology and also philosophy. And she has an interest, a very keen interest in apologetics and explaining Christ to folks who come from other worldviews. And you'll hear me in a second greet her in a very informal way because she's my daughter. So hello, baby girl. How you doing? Hi, Dad. How is everything in Atlanta? Very humid. We're dealing with bits and pieces of the hurricane. I'm not that greatly affected by it. I know a lot of people in Florida to New York have been hit by it, but all we get is lots of humidity, lots of rain, and every day we get some thunder and lightning. Well, I know the most precious thing in the world to you are your dogs. And I want you to know mom and I are taking very good care of your dogs. You better so your be. Brother Marcus. Yes. You better be. They're in great shape and they'll be in great shape the next time you see them. They, I'm going to be very upset if they're not. So jumping right into the topic, Hope, 
as a junior ambassador, you had a junior apologetics ambassador with the ambassadors forum. You were texting me about an experience, an apologetics experience you had just the other night. What was it? So a couple nights ago, I had a sleepover with some of my friends from college and with COVID, like we haven't been able to connect as much as we would have wanted to. So we've kind of been making up for lost time. So we all had a slumber party together and we stayed up late. We watched a movie. We made dessert and dinner and had just a good time together. And after the movie, we were reflecting on it because it was a very like indie coming of age movie. And we were talking a lot about worldviews and different beliefs about the world, kind of like the cliche 3am deep topics you have with your friends in college. And we all have very different backgrounds. Two of us were born in America and the other two are immigrants. We all have different religious beliefs. We all have different political beliefs. We all have different life experiences. And so it was really interesting being able to talk to each other about our thoughts on things and just asking each other questions. But one thing I kind of realized um, in a very much more like tangible way was that I was raised very differently than these girls. And one of the things that you did when I was growing up was really get me thinking and really get me thinking early on. I know we joke about like family jokes about the types of questions I would ask when I was younger. Even if they were silly questions, they would translate to later on asking deeper questions and, you know, more significant questions, whether that is about politics or religion or some sort of event going on in the world or what have you. Going to a like liberal arts college one of the cliche things they say is we don't want to teach you what to think. We want to teach you how to think. But I feel like that is less needed for me because that's something you did with me growing up was I learned how to think really early on. I didn't necessarily have to learn how to think while I'm in college exposed to a lot of these things, exposed to the adult world for the first time. I've been exposed to it bit by bit. And I've had a chance to chew on things and think about things and see patterns over time. I'm not just seeing these things as they're being thrown at me for the first time. I recognize patterns and things that have been going on for two, five, 10, 20, 50 years. And I think a lot of my friends haven't been. And so talking to them, asking these deeper questions with each other, they said, oh, well, I just, I don't know. Cause like, what about this? Or, or what about that? But, okay. But also, but also this, oh, and that too. And I'm just like, well, I know what I believe. Obviously, I'm open to conversation and I'm going to keep other viewpoints in mind, but I've already formed an opinion on this. I understand it. I'm not struggling with this anymore. Yes, I still have doubts and questions, but like, this isn't something that takes up space in my mind because I've been able to work through it. So you're saying that mom and I taught you how to think in a certain framework. You guys kind of gave me practice runs. Maybe when I was not expecting it. <laughs> I, oftentimes people will talk about like the talk. It doesn't have to have like one big conversation with your kids about like, this is apologetics. Welcome to the apologetics world. Let's teach you the cosmological argument. It's often done in like bit by bit. So it's like, Hope, your mom and I were talking about this just now. Do you understand what we're talking about? No, I don't. 
okay, well, this is what's going on. And your mom is saying this and I am saying this. What do you think about that? Well, I mean, I'm naturally inclined to think this. Oh, okay. So, but then what about this? And really just kind of using Socratic method, just asking a lot of questions and then using that as a way to get me thinking and then kind of going step by step, bit by bit. But then also at the same time, exposing me to other worldviews with all the exchange students that we'd have growing up. I met a lot of people that were not from my white suburban American culture. (laughs) I had lots of friends from a lot of different backgrounds growing up. So I think that kind of helped and aided that. Like you didn't have to come up with things or take a guess at what was going on in the world because it was happening right there. You just had to not separate me from it. So a quick recap. So you had a conversation with friends the other night, some of whom were Christians, some of whom weren't. You said in your text to me, you said, I knew what I thought and I knew how to think. I knew how to analyze the world. I knew how to comprehend the world. And specifically from a Christian point of view, from a not just Christian, a Bible-believing, Bible-supporting, evangelical, historically Christian, creedal, confessional point of view. And your friends didn't, and they were weaker at analyzing worldviews than you were. Yes. Yes. So, and also quick and recapping, I think I heard you say then that mom and I, we did not formally ever have, here is apologetics training now. It begins after dinner and before dessert. We're going to do it for 20 minutes. We're going to read Greg Kokel, and we're going to talk about it. It was informal. Very much so. Where did this happen? Was this in the car driving to school? Was this at the dinner table? Was this after a movie? When did we talk about these things with you? All sorts of places. I mean, I think personally, I know mom and I had a lot of our conversations driving to school because we spent an hour in the car together every single day for over 10 years. So we had a lot of time to talk growing up. And then when I would be sitting in her classroom or whatever. And then I think you and I intellectually are very similar in the way that we think and process things. And so I think you and I are kind of natural conversationalists with each other. So that makes it easier for us to have a conversation. But for you, it was probably mostly like after dinner or during dinner or late in the evening or when you would come home from work. Sometimes, you know, we'd go out on like a a Saturday or whatever and just like we'd see something on the street and you'd have some sort of reaction to it. And I'd take note of that reaction and me being me, I would ask questions about it. Like, okay, so what was that guy? What was he doing? Or what was he wearing? Or why was he saying that? You'd be like, well, like, this is kind of that, or this is what this comes from, or whatever. And so having those like experiences out in the world, and not just being like, okay, hope this is your homework for the day, we're going to talk about XYZ. What did mom and I miss? Did we miss anything in your apologetics training growing up? It didn't really happen in a vacuum. It didn't just happen inside our family. I had it, thankfully, I had it in other places. I had it from teachers. I had it from pastors. I had it from authors. Everything kind of worked together. I don't think there was any way that you guys could have possibly been in charge of all of my apologetics training and knowledge and understanding. Outside of mom and I, what else did you benefit from the most growing up 
in apologetics training and thinking and training your mind to think that way. I know there's one particular book you happen to like a mm-hmm. lot. You might mention that now. But what besides mom and I, what else did you benefit from? I remember hearing you mention like apologetics growing up and like hearing that word. And I'm like, it's just one of those big Christian words. I don't know what it means, but it's one of those words that my dad just says. And then I remember in seventh grade, my Bible teacher mentioning like, okay, guys, we're going to talk about basic fundamental apologetics. And I'm like, who cares? (laughs) Um, But obviously, like I did find a little bit of it interesting. And I think that may have been, you know, just the first little piece of it, just kind of like exposing me. So I didn't have to go like research what is apologetics. Like, I mean, I thankfully had it taught to me in class, but then by the time I was around like late eighth grade, early ninth grade, I started, I guess, getting more into critical thinking and I liked analysis of a lot of things. I started listening to a lot of music that had like deeper understandings of the world and just deeper things to say rather than just a lot of like surface level pop music. So I think that kind of got me going as far as deeper thinking, like the world may not be what is surface level. And so then being a Christian, I was like, okay, how can I apply this to my faith? And then I kind of was more exposed to apologetics and say, hey, you can kind of think deeper and more critically about evangelism and interacting with the world. And there is an intellectual side to Christianity rather than just a leap of faith, a gut feeling, whatever your parents told you. Like there's intellectual justification for this. And so that got me interested being a reader. I, and like going to church, I'd have teachers and pastors recommend books to me. And so a big one was Tactics by Greg Hochul. I do love that one. But I think that also just got the ball rolling. And I've started reading a lot of other books, some apologetics, some are semi-apologetic, some not necessarily apologetics at all, but I can read the apologetics into it. So that's kind of been how I've applied it. What if mom and I had given you apologetics thinking only and never talked about Christ and never had family devotions and never discipled you? What would you have had? What would have, how would you have turned out if you had only apologetics training and no relationship with God that we guided you through? I probably would have been extra sassy and pretty cynical. (laughs) It's interesting because like I had obviously like the exposure to Christ and God first growing up, just like in the church and hearing all that. And I didn't have an awareness of apologetics growing up, even whether you were using it with me or not, I wasn't aware. Then when I started reading into it, I kind of realized like, Oh, this makes sense. Like, this is actually coherent and it lines up. And I think that's something that I'm kind of seeing in my philosophy classes, being in college, going to a very like anti-God university. My first ever philosophy class I took was philosophy of religion. And I loved it. It was so much fun. And I got to talk with the instructor a lot and him and I had so many great conversations, but a lot of my classmates really struggled with a lot of things and they were wrestling with a lot of questions. They're like, Oh, well, what about that? And then they were kind of trying to, you know, reconcile a lot of things as well. And again, I didn't have that issue as much, but 
later on, I started taking like more and more philosophy classes and eventually I'm a philosophy minor. But as I've gone deeper into it, a lot of it ends up with nihilism and absurdism seems to be really common. And so I think without God, that's kind of where I wouldn't say apologetics per se, but more logical thinking and rules of logic. That's kind of where they lead. If you don't have God in it, then you go down the same route, but end up with completely different conclusions. When you're in a class or reading something in a book, maybe a signed book or reading something on your own for fun, and you hear a wrong idea, a wrong worldview or something that sounds wrong, how does your apologetics brain and your apologetics heart work? What kicks into action? Do you recognize presuppositions of other worldviews when you see them? Absolutely. I love presuppositional apologetics. I Sometimes I joke and I say that around Wait, my friends and continue, they laugh. Continue before you can do it. That's a very big word. We at the Ambassadors Forum may be talking about that in the future. <laughs> okay. We haven't talked about it yet on this radio show. It is a big word. It is a big topic. I love it. See Cornelius Van Til. We don't have enough time to talk about it now, but I'm sorry. <laughs> Your baby girl, I interrupted you. Please continue. That's fine. Van Til is amazing. I was going to say a lot of people, I say that and they go, huh? And I say, yep. Uh, <laughs> the presuppositional apologetics is honestly my preferred way of apologetics. I think it's more applicable to daily life. And listeners, you're more than welcome to go look into that yourself. If you're not familiar with what that is, I do recommend Bonson, Van Til, some you know great guys but there's also hints of it in other places wait um, stop okay. i'm sorry i have to explain to folks because folks will be taking this and looking this up bonson you mean greg bonson's last name spelled b-a-h-n-s-e-n the late greg bonson who yes. passed away in the 90s and then van till you mean cornelius van till cornelius space v-a-n space t-i-l continue okay <laughs> i do love that presuppositional apologetics because that's what my background and comfortability is in. I see through that lens the easiest. So I <laughs> going to college, I remember orientation freshman year and there was a lot of stuff that just, I took notice of. And so I went into the notes app of my phone and I just started writing things down. The line that I remember very clearly was this person was on the quad there was some event going on. They had a t-shirt that said, love is just a chemical reaction. And I'm like, is it now? You told me that. I remember you, you mentioned that to me. Yes. And I think stuff like that is, there's, there's so many assumptions made in that. And a shirt like that, like, oh man, I wish I was able to go and have a conversation with that person. What would you, assuming that you then had a conversation, what would you, and they said, okay, why is my shirt wrong? And they're asking in a sincere way. How would you explain it to them? What would you say to them? I would say, well, as a STEM major, <laughs> I obviously agree that there is an aspect of love that is a chemical reaction in the brain. You know, your body does have a physical response and non-living things cannot experience love. But then at that point, I would just start probably asking them like really jarring questions to kind of like snap them out of it in a way. So 
you mean questions like, is that all of it? Is right, it only two right. Just to confirm, right? Because that's a really important aspect of it is like, I don't want to straw men them. I want to make sure I correctly and sufficiently represent their side of view before interacting with it. But then you said you wanted to ask questions that disrupt their world. Right. Question it. So what would so you ask? What would, how would you, what would you say? would be like, do you love your family? And they'd probably be like, yeah, I love my family. And I'd say, okay, but if I just like murdered your family right now, how would you react? And they'd be like, well, that'd be tragic. And I'd be like, but it's just a chemical reaction. It's like putting salt in my pasta water. Like, why is that a bad thing if I throw out the salty pasta water? Because that's also a chemical reaction. <laughs> Do you mean if somebody has a shirt that says love is just a chemical reaction, that's reductionistic, that's materialistic. You're saying that the only thing that's happening when you have a love feeling is that there's just chemicals fizzing in your brain and there's nothing more to than that. And you're saying there is something more to that. Exactly. There's clearly something more to that. If I had seen somebody with such a t-shirt, I would have said, eventually after getting to know them and asking where they're coming from, you know, say, Hey, your mom feels love for you. Does your mom believe that her love for you is just a chemical reaction? Why not? Why doesn't she? Right. Why is mom wrong about that? It gets personal and it shows them that there has to be love in the universe. It does. But I think also the careful thing with that too, is you don't want to just shake them up like that or leave them like that. Cause that can be really offensive and that can be really rude. And that's not at all, what we are trying to do, what we're trying to do is to show them true love. And so you kind of want to interrogate them in a bit, but then don't antagonize them. Yes. So I would take that as more of being like, use that as a way to pursue evangelism because apologetics should not be done in a vacuum. Ultimately, if the person then, if I was able to convince them that love is probably more than just a chemical reaction, why doesn't everybody treat it like it's just a chemical reaction? Why do we treat it like it's something so deep and meaningful and the reason for our existence? I would say because it is, and it has to then have a spiritual source, and that spiritual source has to be authoritative. It has to govern all of us, and the only thing that could be is God. Exactly. And then God is loving, and he has revealed himself, and he has revealed things about himself, and hey, here's the book of John from the new testament yeah and i think there's a lot of different routes than that because i sometimes look back and i reflect on that and i kind of you know like the what could i have said you know like the shower thoughts late at night in your bed falling asleep what could i have said in that interaction and i think there's a few routes you could go you don't necessarily have to take one route um but you could say something about like morality or you can say something about meaning and purpose and intent and oughts and there's where the presupposition comes in. It's like, if there's oughts and there are's and it exists, how do those get there? Because those aren't chemical reactions. Is's and oughts are not chemical reactions. So that worldview falls apart pretty quickly. Unless there is something special about love and there's just a love chemical and I, we've all been tricked. But that would be pretty unlikely if there's so many other things that would fit in that category. If there was simply a love chemical and that was all to it, that would be a pretty major scientific breakthrough. There's a very good chance that you will have children one day, you and your future theoretical husband. When you do, what would you do to raise your kids with an apologetics mindset and apologetics worldview so that they understand when they hear competing thoughts, thoughts that compete with gospel Christianity, what would you do? What resources would you give them? Or how would you raise them up? 
One thing I would really encourage them to do is read. I think reading is really good and you're able to be exposed to so many things in more of a long-term way. Videos and things like that, podcasts, radio shows like this one are great and all, but you listen to them for 10 minutes, an hour, three hours, and then you move on. And I think with a book that could take you a few days, a week, a month to get through. And so you're very slowly chewing on this issue or whatever. I think that would be a big one. I think another one is to really recognize that these are people too, like children and adults, all the same, really. Obviously, they're not quite able to comprehend everything that adults can, but they can comprehend a lot, maybe a lot more than you think, especially looking back now in my childhood. I remember stuff and I have some weird memories of things that I'm like, I'm pretty sure my parents thought of that as just some insignificant moment, but I, I remember it and making sure that every moment is cherished and every moment is important and how you live your life is so clear to kids because kids can pick up on it really, really easily and expose them to things bit by bit and ask them questions just like I do with my friends, when I'm engaging with my friends, I ask them, okay, what do you think? What are your thoughts on this? How do you respond to that? Okay, well, what about this? I would probably do the same thing with my kids, but maybe on a level that's easier for them to understand. Well, we need to wrap up. This was Hope Jackson joining us from Atlanta, Georgia. Thank you for joining me, baby girl. You're welcome. You're on True Talk 800 KPDQ on the Ambassadors Forum radio show. Everyone, goodbye, God bless, and preach Christ.